One of the greatest blessings that we have being the children of God is being able to enter into our God's presence, worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. I believe the devil would want us to think that what we're doing this morning is simply a a waste of time. But we know as God's children that this isn't a waste of time. What we're doing here this morning as we come before our God to worship Him is the most important thing that we can do. It's the most beneficial thing that we can be doing this morning. And because of true worship, we can truly leave here blessed this morning. In John chapter 4, verse 23 and verse 24, Jesus talks about the importance of worship. When He says, But the hour is coming when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. I love what Jesus reveals about true worship. We learn in John 4 verse 23 and, and verse 24 that, that God is, is seeking authentic worship. He is seeking true worship. And it should be our interest in wanting to, to give God what He is seeking. That is what He deserves. That is what He is seeking. And that's what we should be giving to Him. As we think about the importance of worship, as we think about this beautiful privilege that we have, being able to worship God should should be the, the highlight of our week. As we go through the week, we should be thinking about those opportunities where we come together as the people of God for the purpose of being able to worship God. What amazes me as we go through the Bible, God repeatedly invites us to worship Him. One example is seen in Psalm 95, verse 6, where the psalmist declares, O come and let us worship Him. Let us bow down before the Lord. That's the privilege that you and I have this morning. Being able to to, to worship our God. We see that, that our God invites us to worship Him. We also see from the Scriptures that that He is seeking true worship. In James chapter 4, verse number 8, I believe we, we learn another principle about worship. Where James says if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. And as we think about those five avenues or those five acts of worship that we read about in the New Testament, 
those avenues give us that opportunity to kiss toward, to be able to to draw near to God. As James says, as we draw near to God, He draws near to us. He invites us to come. He is seeking true worship. And so when we come to, to worship God through the avenues of worship, we enjoy communion and fellowship with God. Being in the very presence of God. And sometimes it's hard for us to to really wrap our minds around what we're doing this morning as we come in God's presence, as we enjoy the communion and fellowship with God. Dear friends, being here this morning to worship God is not a burden. Being here to to be able to exalt our God, to, to be in His presence... To, to, to enjoy fellowship and, and communion is not a downer. It's true joy. As the psalmist would declare in Psalm 16, verse number 11, in your presence is the fullness of joy. I hope we make that connection when we come together to worship God because that is what we are doing this morning. We have gathered here, but our minds are there in His very presence. In your presence, again, is the fullness of joy. And we need to understand the joy that is associated with worshiping God. With this in mind, let me invite you to Turn to Psalm 84. In Psalm 84, we see that this beautiful psalm reveals the psalmist's longing for worship. I like looking at psalms like this because they give us insight in understanding the great privilege that we have in being able to worship our God. And here you, you see the, the psalmist longing for worship. Many have, have titled Psalm 84 as the pilgrim's journey to Jerusalem. The pilgrim's journey to Jerusalem. As we think about Old Testament history for, for just a few minutes... Remember, the, the Jews would, would, would go to Jerusalem to worship. Many of them had to, to travel great distance to, to make that journey to Jerusalem to, to be able to be in God's presence, to be able to, to go to, to the temple to, to have communion and, and fellowship with God. Psalm 84 is a chronological journey to the physical temple in Jerusalem where God's people would worship Him. I realize that that we're not under the old law. And I realize that that we don't have to to make that that journey to Jerusalem in order to, to worship God like we're doing this morning. We've gathered here 
in Marble Falls, Texas, at this building, to be able to be in the presence of God, to be able to worship Him. But as you go through these 12 verses, you will see the longing of the psalmist. Longing to to be in God's presence. To be able to worship Him. And I think it's important for us to to see these principles that that give us a, a deeper longing for worship. So that this doesn't become so repetitious that we lose focus. That we lose sight of of the privilege of being able to come in God's presence to have communion, to have fellowship with God because that is what's taking place again when we worship God. And so again, Psalm 84 helps us to see the longing that all of us should have to be able to worship God. As you can see, this isn't a very long psalm. It's very short, 12 verses. It's really easy to break down when you begin looking at the psalm. As you look at the first four verses, verse 4 ends with the phrase, Selah. A lot of times when we read through the psalms, we, we see that phrase, Selah. Most uh, will not mention that word. And that word is, is there for a reason. Remember, many of the psalms were, were played to music. And, and this uh, was a musical symbol uh, that would tell the people of God to pause. And so when we, when we see the word Selah, it's really a, an easy way to, to divide the psalm. And it really gives you an opportunity to take a pause. To, to, to meditate upon what was just said. And so you see a pause at the end of verse number 4. You, know, you see a pause at the end of, of verse number 8. And so we're breaking the psalm down 1 through 4, 5 through 8, 9 through 12. Easy way to break it down, but I'm going to give you some points to, to put by those uh, different sections. And again, these points, they're, they're there to just help us see what is being said. It, it, it really summarizes the thought that is being presented uh, in these verses. For example, as we look at the first four verses, we see the, the pilgrim's ambition. We see the, the pilgrim's ambition, verses 1 through 4. Remember, this psalm reveals the journey that the psalmist, that other Jews would make to Jerusalem to be able to go to the temple, to worship God, to be in God's presence, to enjoy that communion and fellowship. And notice how it begins. How lovely are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. Some translations, O Yahweh. Verse 2, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house and the swallow 
a nest for her young, even thy altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, they will be still praising thee. As you think about the pilgrim's ambition, one through four, why are these pilgrims longing for Zion? Why are they longing for Zion? Are they longing for the temple or the God therein? Again, when we go back to Old Testament history, we we study about the tabernacle. Later on, we study about the temple. And as you think about the background to to the tabernacle, because there's a lot of speculation as far as when this particular psalm was written. Some believe this is David writing this psalm, and therefore it would have more to do with the tabernacle. Others believe that, that it was written after David when the temple was built, when the people of God would actually come to Jerusalem, uh, to the temple to be able to, to worship Him. It really doesn't matter because, again, the principles uh, are the same. That is where God's presence was. It was at the temple. It was at the tabernacle. And so as you look at the pilgrim's ambition, we see that, that, that the people of God were, were longing to be in the very presence of God. To be able to, to, to worship God. And you see, we learn a valuable lesson about worship. As we've already mentioned, worship provides access to God's presence where we experience fellowship and communion with God. And that truth is, is still true today. That, that, that is still true for us today. Worship provides that opportunity again to be able to be in God's presence. When we worship God, we need to remember that we're in His presence. And that we are communing with God. We are kissing toward God. Really, that's what the whole Bible is all about. From from Eden to, to eternity... Time is is the story of God seeking fellowship with His creation. God desires that. God is inviting all of us to have that that communion, to, to be in His presence. Do you realize that one of these days, if we are in heaven, we will be in the very presence of God? And so when I think about worshiping God and when I put all of this together, I see their ambition. They had a deep longing to be in the very presence of God. They would make that journey. They would go to Jerusalem for the purpose of worshiping God to be in God's presence. You and I have that same opportunity every time we assemble to worship God. Whether it's on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening. That's what we do when we worship our God. We are drawing near to God. We are longing to to be in His presence. One of these days in heaven, we will experience uh, uninterrupted fellowship. 
uninterrupted fellowship where we will be in His very presence. And so when you think about worship today, worship is, is, is really a, a foretaste of what we will be doing in eternity. But this beautiful psalm helps us to understand the ambition that we should have to being in God's presence. Now you're looking at at poetic language, and I believe you, you really see poetry at its best in verse number two. As the psalmist talks about the sparrow, as the psalmist talks about the swallow, the, the psalmist was, was looking forward to worship to, to such a, an extent that, that he wishes that, that he could live in the temple like the birds did. How they would have a nest and, and how they would, would, would be there in the temple. And again, it's, it's poetic language that emphasizes the, the desire and, and the longing again to be in God's presence. That's the same longing that that you and I should have as as we go through this life. To be able to worship God, as I said, it's the most important thing. It it should be the the highlight of our week. We should be like the sparrow and and the swallow, wanting and longing to, to be in the presence of God. As you think about the psalmist here in Psalm 84, uh, the psalmist was homesick. The psalmist was, was wanting to, to be with God. Again, it helps us to, to understand the privilege of, of being able to worship God. Again, worship provides that, that, that access, that opportunity to be in God's presence. Notice how the psalmist also describes it in verse number 4. Blessed are they that, that dwell in thine house. More than likely, this has to do with, with the priest and, and the Levite that, that were always in God's house. The priest and the Levite, they pretty much lived there. Their, their, their job was to, to take care of, of God's service. To go through the sacrifices. To offer all of the, the different offerings that, that we read about. <clears throat> that task was given to the priest and, and the Levites. But the psalmist again is using this, this language to describe the deep longing again that, that he had to be in the very presence of God. And then in verses 5 through 8 we we see the the pilgrims approach. Remember what we're looking at here. A, a Psalm 84 is a chronological journey. The psalmist has a, an ambition to be in the very presence of God, to go to Jerusalem to worship God. Now what you see in 5 through 8 is the pilgrims Approach. Here is a picture of the psalmist and other Jews making their journey, making their, their, their way to, to Jerusalem. And the language here to me is, is very interesting. Look at verse number 5. Blessed is, is the man whose strength is in thee, whose, in whose heart are the ways of them. Not only... Do these pilgrims 
travel the highways of Zion, they have them in their heart. You you can imagine the Jew beginning to to make that journey to, to Jerusalem. Again, we, we see their, their ambition, their longing to, to be in Jerusalem, to be in, in God's presence. Now they're beginning to, to make that journey in their mind. You and I do the same thing, you know, when we make a journey. When we go somewhere, we, we look at the map, we, we map out uh, our path. Uh, a lot of times we, we try to, to find the easiest way. Uh, we think about where we're going, how we're, we're going to get there. That's the imagery that you see in, in, in verse number 5. But here it is. The path that they would take was always the same path. It was always the, the same path that, that would lead them to, to Jerusalem. And so in their mind they were preparing themselves for the journey for the travel that they would make to Jerusalem. Why would they do that? Because it wasn't an easy journey, as you're about to see in verse number 6. In fact, it was was very difficult to make that that journey to to Jerusalem. It says in verse 6, "...who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well, the rain also filleth the pools." The valley of Abaca was a waterless and barren valley. Baca in Hebrew means weeping lamentation. That is, when the people were, were thinking about the journey that they would make to Jerusalem, it would cause them to weep at times because they would have to pass through the valley of Baca in order to go through Jerusalem. And really the valley of Baca symbolized affliction and hardship. It was a barren, a waterless valley. They would have to go through the valley in order to be in the presence of God and they knew that it would be very difficult. It would be trying. It would be hard as they would make that journey through the valley. But look at the verse. Who passing through the valley of Baca, listen to it, make it a well, the rain also filleth the pools. The valley of Baca again describes the, the difficult terrain that the Jews would, would, would have to travel in order to go to Jerusalem. But remember their anticipation their anticipated joy at being in the temple in the very presence of God, watch it, turns the valley, turns this desert valley into a place of springs. Again, their anticipated joy to be able to worship God turns this desert valley, the valley of Baca, into a place of springs where God would send rains to provide for them as they were making this journey. And as a result, as you continue to read with me in verse number 7, as a result, they go from strength to strength. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth 
before God. Rather than being wearied as they go through the valley of Baca, we see in fact they are strengthened. Because all they could think about is being in the presence of God and being able to worship God. But we also see God's providential care for His people as they would pass through the valley of Baca. He would see them through. You know, as you think about the valley of Baca, as I said, uh, in Hebrew, it has always symbolized affliction. And as we think about it in a very practical way, as we go through the valley of Baca, we never travel through the valley alone. You remember what David said in Psalm 23, verse number 4, For though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. God was with His people as they went through the valley of Baca, making their way to Jerusalem in order to worship God. Another point that you need to understand about the valley of Baca is that the valley of Baca, the valley of affliction, is only temporary. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 17, for our light affliction, Paul says, is only for a moment. But let me give you a bigger picture of the valley of Baca. The valley of Baca gives us a deeper longing to be in God's presence. And all of us have to travel through the valley of Baca. And the whole point is for us, there are going to be things that, that make worship difficult. There are going to be things that that we experience in in this life that that make life very hard. And as we think about the valley of Baca, the valley of affliction, what we should be thinking about is being in God's presence. Being able to worship God, because if you see the big picture here, Being able to worship God and to draw near to God can help us travel through the valley of Baca. It can help us travel through the valley of affliction. And affliction is part of life. And for many, when people experience affliction, sometimes they want to pull away from God. We shouldn't pull away from God. They didn't pull away from God. They knew that they would have to travel through this valley, but they knew that God would be with them. And the valley of Baca gave them a deeper longing to be in God's presence. The principles still apply for us. As we think about our approach, our ambition, what should be our ambition? To worship God. And as we think about approaching God, it's something that we have to plan. It's something that we have to realize. It's something that that we have to prepare for. And as we find ourselves going through the valley of Baca, what needs to be on our minds is worship. Because worship, being in the presence of God, being able to draw near to God, gives us strength as we go through this life. Friends, there's a good reason why God wants us to worship often. There's a good reason why He wants us to be here this morning. To be in His presence. 
Because when we're in His presence, we draw near to God and we gain strength to help us endure the affliction of this life. As I said, you see their journey. As they're making their way to Jerusalem. Oh, it would be difficult. But through all of that, they were thinking about the privilege of being able to worship God. And I hope as we go through this life, we think about the privilege that we have to be in God's presence to worship Him. As you continue to read with me, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer, give ear, O God of Jacob. And then in 9 through 12, we see the pilgrims' arrival. They made it. They are now at Jerusalem. And to me, in verse 10, verse number 11, you, you, you come across some of the finest passages in all of God's Word. Listen to what it says. Beginning at verse 9, Behold, O God, our shield, look upon thy face of thine anointed. I love verse 10. For a day, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. You can imagine what was going through the Jews' mind as they were dwelling upon this particular passage, as they would make that journey, as they would go through the valley of Baca. You see what was on their mind for a day in thy courts is is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. In other words, the psalmist is saying there's nowhere I'd rather be. There is no where I'd rather be. I want to be in God's house. In God's presence. You see that that was David's longing in Psalm 27 verse 4. That was the one thing that he was thinking. To dwell in God's house forever. The idea is to always be in His presence presence. There's nowhere I'd rather be. Then look at verse number 11. For the Lord God is a son. The word son, S-U-N, is speaking about God's righteousness. God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. Everything about God is good. It's holy. It's pure. For God is a son and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walketh uprightly. Verse 11, there's no where I'd rather be. Look at verse number 11. There's no one I'd rather praise. Two great thoughts that can help us understand the privilege that we have in worshiping God. Don't lose sight of this great blessing that we have every first day of the week. Psalm 84, again, gives us insight into the longing that we should have. You remember the title, A Pilgrim's Journey? Do you know why that that particular title is so fitting for this psalm and so fitting for us? The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 2 verse number 11 describes us as strangers and pilgrims. As strangers and pilgrims. 
as we sojourn on this earth. We're here for a short time. And as we go, as we live life here upon this earth, again, there are valleys. But what is most important as we go through life is worshiping God. And I hope worshiping God is a priority in your life. I hope it's a priority in my life. When I think about worship being a a priority, when I think about how important it is and how meaningful worship can be, I think of Job often. You remember what Job said in Job 1 verse 21 after he lost everything? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Do you see what Job is saying? Do you see what was on Job's mind? Job was going through the valley of Baca. But worship was on his mind. I realize that that not all of life is worship. That's not what we're saying. But when we think about the opportunities that we have this morning, this is important. And we shouldn't take it lightly. It's something that that we have to to be mentally prepared for. It's something that, that we should be longing every day of our lives to be in the very presence of God. Look at verse number 12. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in Thee. The one who worships God is going to be blessed. Do you realize that we benefit from worship? We benefit being here in the very presence of God. I hope Psalm 84 will give you insight into the greatest privilege known to mankind. Being able to worship God in spirit and in truth. Because Psalm 84 really gives us insight into the longing that we should have. When we depart and when we go our separate ways, when we go to our homes, when we go to our jobs, we should be homesick. We should be thinking about the next opportunity that we have to be together. Again, worshiping God is a foretaste of what we shall be what we will be doing in eternity. Why should we be longing to worship? Because in heaven that's exactly what we will be doing. But we will be in the very presence of God. We won't have to gather here to go there. We will be there. If we don't have a desire, a true longing to worship God in the here and now, why do we want To go to heaven. If we think about heaven, we should be thinking about the opportunities that we have to worship God. What a joy, what a privilege it is to come before the true and living God and to offer Him homage. Lesson is yours. This morning it may be that you're not a child of God. As we said, God is seeking true worship. He is seeking for those who will come before Him with a good and honest heart, who will obey His gospel 
In order for a person to be able to worship God in spirit and truth, they have to be in the right position. They have to be a child of God. And a person becomes a child of God by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. There may be someone here who's never obeyed the gospel. We want you to know that heaven's invitation is always open, but this morning is an opportunity for you to respond to heaven's invitation. If you never responded to heaven's invitation, God wants you to know this morning that He wants you to respond. He invites you to come. He loves you. He sent His Son to die on the cross. We have the Gospel which teaches us how to be saved. It's just left up to you to respond to His invitation. It might be that you are a child of God. Maybe you haven't been putting God first in your life. Maybe worship hasn't been a a, a priority. This morning is really an opportunity for all of us to really examine ourselves spiritually. To really see what really matters and what really matters is putting God first in everything. Are you putting God first? Am I putting God first? If not, won't you respond to the God of love this morning as we stand and as we sing?